on this episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. Your ideal group would be, you know, everybody kind of like the same age, everybody in the, in the same um, financial status and, um, and social status at that point to say. Now, you can go outside the bend the rules, obviously, that much, but I was saying what would be a perfect group, that would be the perfect group. Las Vegas. It's more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard, taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Over 42 million people from around the world share that feeling every year. And I'm one of them. Taking you to the world-famous Vegas Strip and beyond, my name is Jeff, and this is the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 94 of the Jeff Does Vegas Podcast. Before we get going on this episode of the show, I want to thank my guest from the last episode, Matthew O'Brien, author of the books Beneath the Neon and Dark Days, Bright Nights. Matthew joined me to talk about the massive network of tunnels that run under the city of Las Vegas and the homeless population that inhabits those tunnels. We discussed his first experiences with the tunnels and his founding of the charity Shine a Light, which provides support for the people living in the tunnels and resources should they wish to leave that life. If you haven't listened as of yet, head to the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 93, Beneath the Neon, The Tunnels of Las Vegas, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, here we go. On to the show. Vegas, baby! That's the battle cry heard round the world in pretty much every major airport as groups of guys get set to board their flights to Las Vegas for what they hope will be the ultimate guys trip. But will it be a vacation to remember for all the wrong reasons? My guest for this episode of the podcast is here to help make sure that's not the case. Joining me this time around, making his second appearance on the show, is David DeMont-Mollin who you may remember from all the way back on episode number 16, Classic Vegas Mistakes. David is a 20-plus year casino industry vet who's worked for both on- and off-strip properties. He starred in the Discovery Channel's smash hit series American Casino, and he's the author of The Las Vegas Little Black Book, A Guy's Guide to the Perfect Vegas Weekend. David and I discussed how to plan an amazing trip to Las Vegas for you and your wolf pack. He covered everything, and I do mean everything. From the best time of the year to go to Vegas, to picking your hotel, to how to handle meals and shows, to how to get into nightclubs, and so much more. Please enjoy my conversation with David DeMont Mollen. It can be a uh, trip that you remember for the rest of your life. You know, in that movie Swingers, that's the, how it all started the whole Vegas baby, and they take the, the drive to Vegas. And, um, but groups and guys going to Vegas, having fun, um, doing the guys stuff together and be able to get together with old friends and, or current friends and, and tackle Vegas as a group of guys is definitely a special experience. And I recommend every groups of guys do it before they end up getting married and having kids and a lot of, and, and it's harder to actually make it happen at that point in time, but you still can. And that the stuff that we're going to talk about today 
is going to uh, touch on some of the facts that still, you know, groups of guys, no matter what age, can have a good time in Vegas. But it's really important to do it when you, when you can in your, in your 20s or 30s um, before life gets a hold of you. Well, and as you say, I mean, this is a trip that if done correctly, you'll remember for the rest of your lives. And honestly, if done incorrectly, you can also end up remembering it for the rest of your lives. And in order to avoid that happening, I wanted to bring you on. And your advice stems back to a book that you wrote about 15, 16 years ago. And even though, yes, it's an older book, a lot of the advice and tips and tricks that you have in that book are still quite relevant today. Yes. The Las Vegas little black book. It was a guy's guide to the perfect Vegas weekend. You know, it was written a while ago and it's, but it still holds up. You know, some of the places have changed and the recommendations where to go, but the methodology behind the trip, the methodology of, of what to do and how to plan it, that still holds true. And you can find it on Amazon, Las Vegas, little black book. Um, it's a great read. Um, the, my other book, Classic Vegas Mistakes, it's kind of a, a book that stemmed from the Las Vegas Little Black book that just kept going into mistakes that people make. But when uh, we're going to talk about just, you know what to do, what, how to plan it, and really get into um, everything from that book, Las Vegas Little Black book. All right. So let's get right into it then. We'll start off with the best time of the year to do that guy's trip to Las Vegas. I mean, I know for me personally, I was doing a ton of trips down to Vegas every year. I've been pretty much every month of the year, I think, every season of the year. So I kind of know what the pros and cons are of doing those trips as, say, solo or just with a buddy or with my wife at different times of the year. But when you're doing a guy's trip, is there a, a, a better time of the year to do that trip? Well, there's a couple different things to think about when, you, when you're planning a trip to Vegas with a group of guys. First thing off the bat, people want to go you know, on the opening weekend of March Madness, where they want to go during um, Super Bowl. You know, those times in Vegas are so crowded and so many groups of guys are there. I recommend staying away from those weekends. Um, Other kind of uh, key dates to make sure you don't go to Vegas are is when there are these big citywide conventions. Now, since COVID, these conventions aren't happening as much as they used to, but there's three big ones that kind of take over the city. CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is in early January. Uh, SEMA, which is a car show in early November. And then Con Expo, which is a concrete one, which happens in March, but that's postponed for another year. If you go to Vegas, either on March Madness, Super Bowl, or one of those three weekends, you are not going to have a good time as a group of guys. It is logistically tough and um, you just won't enjoy it. So what time to go? So is the pool important to you? I've, I think if you're going to plan a trip to Vegas, you need to go during the pool season. Now, most people that go, that think about Vegas that never really been there before think it's hot there all the time. It's not. It gets very, very cold and windy during during the uh, winter months. And so the pools aren't even open um, half the year. So really, the pool starts uh, opening in April and closes in, in late September. And even at the beginning of April and the end of September, sometimes it's um, you know still a little cold to be out there. But the pool serves as a great um, a great aspect of a, a Vegas vacation. And I recommend going during those months. Now, early September and late April, the weather is absolutely perfect in Vegas. So if you want to you know, go there, that's, that's a great time to go. During the summertime, it's hot, but it's, I mean, it's hot everywhere. And um, you know, there'll be a couple of weeks where you know, the temperature's you know, over 110 maybe, but still is a great time in Vegas to go. So I would say pool season, um, good weather, or just you know just uh, go when when it's hot, but make sure you don't go 
during those um, those big citywide conventions in March Madness and Super Bowl weekend. Now, when it comes to putting together the actual group of guys that you're going to take down with you, this can be a real challenge, I guess, is a is a really nice way of putting it, because you want to make sure that you get the right group and the right mixture of people, which I mean, obviously, is going to be subjective to the group of people that are going, everybody is going to have a different definition of what the right group of people is, but are there any sort of generalities on how to put this group together? I mean, is there a limit on how many people that you should be inviting at both minimum and maximum? Are there any particular types of personalities you should avoid? What would be your advice when it comes to putting together that group of guys for this trip? Well, the group really is going to make or break the trip. You know, if you have one, you know, bad apple, it's going to ruin the whole trip for everybody. So let's first think about size of size of your group, right? So I think you have to have more than two, right? So at least three people and you can't have more than eight. Once you get up in the nines, tens, it's logistically impossible um, to get anybody to do anything. It's like, it's like, or um, getting cats to go do something. So I would say the ideal size is a four, five, or six, um, seven is still manageable. And, um, cause that gives you, um, the ability to break off in separate groups, you know, a group of six can break off into three groups of two, two groups of three, you know, that sort of thing. And you're not always going to be together as one, one group. So when you think about who to, who to invite, you got to make sure that everybody's kind of on the same page as in, you know, what, how much money they're going to spend what they want to do, that sort of thing. So if, you know, if one guy's a uh, super rich guy and another guy's, you know, barely making a, you know, living off paycheck to paycheck. When you put them in a, on the same Vegas trip, um, one of those two guys is not going to have a good time. Either the super rich guy is going to want to do stuff that's really, um, you know, expensive and he's willing to spend the money, or the guy that's you know trying to get get by is going to try to want to stop and you know do the the low budget things. So everybody's kind of have to be in the same um, wavelength on you know how much they're going to spend. Also the same kind of um, that marital status, girlfriend, boyfriend uh, type thing. You know, so you know. Two guys are, are married and four guys are single. Sometimes it's just going to make for an, an awkward situation. So your ideal group would be, you know, everybody kind of like the same age, everybody in the, in the same um, financial status and, um, and social status at that point to say. Now, you can go outside the, bend the rules, obviously, that much. But I was saying what would be a perfect group, that would be the perfect group. And I'm thinking, too, there's probably other red flags that you should look for when you're inviting people. I mean, you want to make sure you're not inviting anybody that's going to be a, a bit of a wet blanket when it comes to the trip or people that maybe get homesick easily or um, someone who's just recently broken up with their girlfriend. I would imagine those have all kind of got the potential to to wreck the trip for everyone else. Definitely. If somebody just broke up with their girlfriend and they should not come on the trip with you. They're going to be down the whole time. They're going to be wanting to drunk dialer or drunk texter during the middle of the night. Um, I've seen it happen before. You know, a person like that came to Vegas with a group of guys, you know, second night there, they couldn't find him. He actually ended up taking a flight home and not telling anybody. So, you know, the whole group's worried about him. They're not answering his phone because he's on a, on a plane and just, you know, kind of spoiled it for the rest of the group because he couldn't handle it out there. Now, when you're, when you're in Vegas and you're, you're partying all the time, you're staying up late and, you know, you're gambling all the time, you know, your emotions, your emotions come out. So if, yeah, if you're in a situation where, Hey, I just, you know, I'm not, I'm kind of a little bit depressed. You do not want to come to that with the, the rest of the guys on a, on a trip to Vegas. We've picked the time of the year. We've got our group of guys assembled. Now we need to plan the actual trip 
itself. And we, I want to cover a couple of things here. I want to talk about, um, you know, things like booking flights and booking hotels, things like that. But when you and I were kind of talking ahead of time here and planning some stuff out, you, you sent me a list of some of the things to cover and something I never even would have thought about that was on this list was discussing outfits, discussing clothing. Again, not something I ever would have thought of. Yes, it seems silly, but it's happened to me many times. You know, um, go to Vegas and we're trying to go out to a nice steakhouse dinner. And, you know, one guy, all he loves wearing, you know, football jerseys. And that's all he has is a football jersey. And we get, you know, we're all dressed up nice, looking sharp. And he's in a football jersey. And, you know, they basically say, no, you can't wear a jersey in here. Or just a guy that loves to wear flip flops all the time. You know, you, you have to wear closed toe shoes in most of these places when in Vegas. Um, this, just things like that. Now, it seems silly to, to talk to a grown man and say, hey, make sure you pack, you know, uh, you know, a pair of pants and a collared shirt, but just just do it and save yourself the hassle. Um, so clothes is big. Also, you know, when you're planning the trip, now that you have your time of year, you want to go and you have your group size, then you got to talk about, you know, fly or drive. And if you can, if you can drive to Vegas, um, sometimes that's a great option because you have a car with you and that sort of thing. But most drives to Vegas are rough. Everybody's, you know, if you're living in LA or, or in Phoenix, you know, it's four to five hours and traffic can get pretty bad. But one thing to never do is don't just plan some random, uh, like I'm going to go to Vegas tonight with your buddy. So I've seen this happen many times, you know, two guys, just they're like, we're going to Vegas. You know, they live eight hours away by car and they end up going to Vegas eight hours at end up having the worst time. And then I have to drive all the way back. So you want to plan ahead. So when you, when you're thinking about flights, if you can get everybody on the same flight, that's perfect. Right. If you can't get everybody in the same flight, at least coordinate the flights we arrive at the same time. It's always awkward for a group of guys to be there. And, you know, two guys are, you know, coming in eight hours after the other guys. And, you know, they're already having a good time. And two other guys show up. And, you know, you kind of want to experience um, getting off the plane, going into the hotel, doing the things together as, as a group of guys. Um, so that's important to think about. Um, direct flights, always take a direct flight versus a, uh, um, a connecting flight if you can, um, just to make sure you get there. But one of the things also is to think about when, when kind of booking your trip is, um, and, and being in an airport is your trip to Vegas starts when you get to your airport, right? So I always said, go, you know, get to your, get to your gate and go to the closest airport bar. And everybody that's in that airport bar is going to be going to Vegas. So if you see, you know, if you're all single and you see a group of ladies that are there, now's the time to talk to them, talk about where you're going to go in Vegas and, you know, maybe possibly you'll meet up later on. Um, but then also take it, take it easy on the flight there. Like don't be, you know, drinking heavily on the, on the flight there and be all kind of worn out by the time you, uh, time to get into Vegas. But after the flights is the hotel. Now the hotel is the most important decision you're going to make. And it should not be taken lightly. It should have some research involved and, and, and definitely think about you know, what hotel is going to be good for a group of guys. And most guys are going to just go on to Expedia and, you know, look for, you know, the cheapest price, that sort of thing. But groups of guys are not going to have fun at certain different types of hotels. So um, location, and especially if it's one of your only trips, or your first trip to Vegas, location, a center strip is very, very important that you're on the strip, that you're, you're right in the middle of the action, that you can walk out of your hotel and go someplace else. So location's key. And then also um, room type is, is important, right? So, you know, you can, uh, you can sleep people in, in, you know, 
in, in king beds on couches, that sort of thing. But some rooms at some of these hotels have um, tons of space, tons of um, um, uh, couch space and that sort of stuff. So, you know, some guys still kind of sleep and you, you can wake up and do stuff. It's not just a standard hotel room. So my top five hotels for groups of guys and what I should say, research these five is uh, uh, Cosmopolitan, Cosmo, Wynn, Virgin, Caesars, and uh, Venetian Palazzo. And then if those are seem too pricey for your group, then look at Planet Hollywood, Flamingo, uh, Link, and Paris. And I don't know if you've ever stayed at any of those, uh, Jeff, but what, what are your thoughts about that group of uh, hotels that I mentioned? I've stayed or spent a fair bit of time in pretty much all of those hotels that you mentioned. Um, personally, for me, the only one that I would put a little bit of a hesitation on is virgin. And this is from my own experience from when it was the hard rock. I did a guy's trip several years ago and we stayed at the hard rock. We picked there specifically because of the pool. Um, at the time rehab was one of the greatest, uh, day clubs and, and pool areas in Las Vegas. My main complaint on it was that it is so far off the strip that, um, you can, if you decide you want to go wandering during the day, if you're going to do some stuff on your own or whatever, if you want to go to the strip, you can't just walk out the front door and be on the strip. You either have to walk there and it's a bit of a hike uh, during the daytime, very, very hot during the nighttime, a little sketchy. So if you want to go to the strip, you are going to have to uh, grab a ride share or a cab or something like that potentially to go to the strip. Um, otherwise all of those other properties you mentioned, they they've got great vibes. They've got a great, uh, atmosphere and yeah, you consistently see groups of guys hanging out, partying at all those different places. Uh, amazing spots for a, for a guy's trip. No, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it, what you said about Virgin is definitely true. You definitely not going to spend all your time there and you're definitely gonna be taking a lot of Ubers. Um, or your, or your rental car, that sort of stuff. But yeah, anything on the center strip is great. Now, you know, um, Bellagio to me is a little overpriced and it's a little crowded. Um, people just walking through there all the time. Um, but Flamingo, Planet Hollywood, those are all, those are all great places with great, great vibes. Um, when you're thinking about these hotels and you're looking at them, this is the advice to the guys listening, is don't just look at the normal rooms. Start looking at the suites also. Like, for example... Cosmo has a seat, a suite called the city suite. It's, uh, has one King bedroom, has another bedroom that has two Queens and then it has a separate lounge and then it has three bathrooms. It doesn't have a balcony, which most people in Cosmo want. Um, so it doesn't, it's not that popular of a room for people to book, but it's, um, it's actually sometimes cheaper to get that room than it is to get two standard rooms. So just w- when you're looking at rooms and l- always be sure to look at the suites and see what options they have because suites and rooms are yielded differently based off demand. And sometimes you can get a great deal that would, that would really benefit a, um, a group of guys be able to you know, kind of hang out and stuff like that without booking two separate rooms where you're kind of like, hey, what are you guys doing? Come down to my room. That's sort of the thing. And when it comes to picking these rooms as well, there's sometimes a debate on guys trips. And I, I went through this on the guys trip that I went on to Vegas as to whether or not you want to have a room to yourself or whether or not you want to share a room with someone else. I mean, me personally, I like my private time. I like my my alone time. Um, I prefer to have my own room to myself, if at all possible. But I guess 
the question then is, am I being an antisocial jerk for, for picking that solo room? I mean, should I be trying to share a room with someone else or, or, or am I okay to have the solo room? Is it really just kind of dealer's choice? Like, is, is there a right or a wrong way with this? Well, it kind of matters how you know well you know the groups of guys you're with, right? If they're your buddies that you grew up with, and you don't mind, you know, being in two queen beds in one room and that sort of stuff, yeah, no, no problem. But you know, if it's um, friends, but not you know tight friends that, that you're going out there with, you know, getting your own room is good. It's just on these uh, on these weekends sometimes it gets expensive. Um, but there, are, you know, when you think about it, definitely look at rooms now. Like if you look at the Palazzo, it has a uh, a two queen suite. And then it has a separate parlor area where um, it has a, has a full couch on it. You know, that room for two guys or three guys is great because, you know, you can be down in the parlor area and one guy can sleep on the couch if they have to. Um, now, if you have the money and you, and you feel like splurging, I would say definitely get your own room. And so then you, not, you don't need to worry about anything, right? But if you're on a budget, I would say double up in a room at one of these nicer hotels then rather than going to a more of a budget hotel and getting separate rooms. And if we can just kind of harken back to the classic Vegas mistakes episode that you appeared on back a couple of years ago here, um, when it comes to picking the hotel, a lot of people tend to screw this up, don't they? They just kind of think, well, you know, the hotel is just going to be a place where we're going to, we're going to sleep and we're going to change and we're going to shower. And, and that's really going to be it. That's, that's all we need. As long as it's clean and comfortable, I'm fine. But that's not really the case at all, is it? Yes, one of the big factors that, especially newer people to Vegas, uh, always, they're always going to be like, we're barely going to be in the room anyway, and we're going to be out doing stuff, we're just going to crash there and wake up and be out. But your hotel is uh, the center focus of your entire trip. Not only are you going to wake up there, you're going to have your first meal there. You're going to be using the pool there, which a pool is a big aspect of, of a guy's trip, in, in my opinion, that people miss out on. Um, you're going to have your last drink there your last hangout there. And you're probably going to do a lot of your gambling there because it's going to be convenient, right? So if just a book a room and say you're not going to be there, it's, it's not going to happen. It's, you're going to be at that hotel a lot more than you think. As such, then, when guys are planning these trips and looking at the hotels, um, obviously, they want to do a lot of research. Are there specific uh, hotel amenities or features that they should really be focusing on when they're planning this stay? Yes, there. Uh, let's touch on the pool for real, real quickly. So one of the big mistakes that people guys make is the first night they get to Vegas, they drink way too much. They stay up way too late. And they end up going to sleep about four or five o'clock in the morning. By the time they wake up, it's already two or three or four in the afternoon, and they pretty much miss the whole whole pool scene. Right? It takes a conscious effort to say, "Hey, let's all meet at you know eleven a.m. by the pool. We'll have we'll have." lunch by the pool, have Bloody Marys, we'll get it going. A lot of these pools have um, swim-up blackjack tables, which is a great, amazing thing to do, um, for especially for a group of guys. That's very memorable. So pools are key. The uh, A good center bar is also important. So the center bar in the hotel is kind of like your main casino bar. And if it's, if it's a good one, it's, it serves as your main area to uh, to meet up as a group, the area that you can go. If you're tired of gambling and a couple of you other guys are gambling, a couple of you guys can go sit at the center bar. And it's, um, it's got good bartenders. It's got a good atmosphere. So that's also something to think about. And then just location, you know, um, while I, you know, I like places like Mandalay Bay, you know, just being down there on the bottom end of the strip, just like how you're talking about Virgin is you feel a little bit cut off 
and you can't just be able to walk outside and check out a new place. Um, a place like Planet Hollywood is, is, is an amazing place to go to because you can walk across the street to Cosmo and Bellagio, go right next door to Paris. You're a short walk from Caesars and, and Flamingo. So you're going to spend a lot more time walking, walking around than, uh, than you think. You know, taxis and Ubers and that sort of stuff get kind of tough on weekends. So location of where the hotel is is important. I want to touch on getting around in Las Vegas because for a group of guys, particularly if it's a larger group of guys, this can be a real point of frustration for you. You've got to maybe be looking at taking um, multiple cabs or multiple ride shares or maybe spending more money on a a limousine to get yourself to where you need to go. Um is it worth it to look at renting a vehicle? And obviously, if you've got a larger group of guys, it may not be cool, but you're, you're probably looking at renting like a minivan or something like that. Is it worth it? Is it actually going to save you money in the end if you rent a, a, a vehicle versus having to figure out other ways of getting around? Yes, usually. Now, there might be some um, circumstances that it's not, but renting a car gives you just so many options that you would not have. Because what happens, it, it gets very crowded on weekends in Vegas. And the taxi lines get super long. Ubers are, are difficult to get. And it just sometimes walking is, is, is tough to do. But having a car, you know, you're going to have to pay for parking in most of these places or we pay for valet, valet parking. You can get around and do a lot more that, that you wouldn't do if you didn't have it. So, for example, let's say you're staying, um, you know, you're staying at Cosmo and you need a car. You can go, you can run up, go check out the new resorts world, you know, for 30 minutes, go from there, go, go to downtown uh, Vegas and hang out there for a little bit, you know, then head back. And you only spent two hours doing it, but you kind of did a couple of different things. If you wanted to plan that trip with Ubers and taxis and stuff, it would be like, well, why, why do we take a taxi all the way here? We're only going to spend 30 minutes at this casino. So you can check out a lot of places, especially if you like, like to see what's uh, the new things that are happening in Vegas at different hotels and that sort of stuff, if you have a car. And then especially on a, on a really busy weekend, um, you know, sometimes like on a big UFC fight weekend or a big boxy weekend, ju- you cannot even get a taxi. It just, uh, the, the demand for a taxi is crazy. Um, and so having a car can, can be a godsend sometimes. Now you might need to leave it at, at a place and come get it the next day. Um, you know, if you're, if you're drinking, so you got to think about that, but usually that's not that big of a deal and, the, and it's definitely worth the worth it. I was going to say, I guess that would be the one risk in that you would have to sort of monitor your alcohol intake. If you're not willing to leave the rental car somewhere else. I mean, we've, we've all been in that situation, whether it's at home or in Las Vegas, where you go out somewhere and you think to yourself, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to drink. And the next thing you know, you're crawling back to your hotel. Um, I guess you kind of have to make sure that you've got that one guy that stays sober. Right. Well, there's usually one guy that's so hungover from the night before that he's pretty much stopped drinking. So he (laughs) ends up being the designated driver. (laughs) Fair point. Hadn't really thought about that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about walking around in Las Vegas as a group of guys, because I think um, when we chatted in the classic Vegas mistakes episode, you called it the, the group wander and it's not really a trap you want to fall into. And and I'll freely admit it's a trap that I fell into in a guy's trip where we just started wandering aimlessly along Fremont Street without really having a plan. You do need to kind of have some sort of goal in mind when you step out of that hotel and start walking around, don't you? You have to have a plan when, you, when you're traveling with a group. And it can be a loose 
plan, but it has to be something. Just starting to walk around and walking into different places, different casinos, and you know somebody might want to gamble, but the other groups don't. They don't know where you're not wearing. You have to say, hey, we're going to all walk to Caesars and have lunch, or we're going to all walk down to Venetian and you know and get brunch or or do dinner there, that sort of thing. So the group wander is what usually takes place in a a poorly planned trip. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, you're like, what did we spend the last four hours doing? All we did was walk around and we really didn't do anything. Right. So you have to have a game plan. You know, somebody needs to kind of be the, uh, the leader putting it together and say, Hey, I want to make everybody sure this is what we're going to do. Right. So then everybody's on, on board because you'll have in a group, you'll have a couple guys that are just, kind of like, ah, oh, I don't want to do that and, and kind of kind of not ruin the trip, but all of a sudden you're going separate ways and doing separate things. So, but you're going to end up doing a lot more walking and walking the strip, you know, is at night is, you know, on weekends is kind of a little bit crazy. It's not that, uh, it's not that fun anymore. It used to be a lot funner um, just because of the sheer amount of people. But um, when you think about, you know, where you're going to eat, what shows you're going to go to, that sort of thing, you know, most of the time you're going to get there by walking. You mentioned how important it is to have a plan when it comes to a, a trip for a group of people like this. But my feeling has always been that it's a very fine line between over planning and under planning. I mean, I see people sharing their quote unquote itineraries on social media where they have everything planned down. What seems like they've got it planned down to the if not by the minute, by the hour at the very least. And I see those plans shared and I just think you might as well just crumple that up and toss it out because none of that is going to happen. So it really is a a fine line, isn't it? Between again, that over planning versus under planning. Yes. Well, there's a couple of things that you definitely want to plan out. And I I feel it's the second night you're there, what you're going to do for dinner and, and a show. Those two things on the second night of your, of your Vegas trip, I think, are um, benchmarks experience you need to plan out. Everything else can be more kind of a, a loose plan, but it's better to have a little bit of a plan than, than have to say, hey, we're all meeting here at 10 a.m. in the morning sharp, that sort of thing, you know, because uh, that just gets annoying to people and, you know, y- you have to be able to be, be flexible. So you want to plan, but you want to be flexible. And if, if people just are not, they don't want to go, don't force them to go. Just say, hey, we'll just cancel that, and we won't even do that. That sort of thing. Um, and it's important to realize is in Vegas, there's a ton of things to do, so it's pretty much impossible to do everything in Vegas on one trip, right? Or you, you don't even want to. That would be so tiring. Um, you know, three or four trips to Vegas, you can you can do different things, see different, um, see different, see different places, see different casinos, eat at different restaurants and shows. So don't try to don't try to cram everything in. Definitely be flexible. You mentioned that second night out with the group, dinner, show, etc. And yeah, I mean, that's an absolute blast to do that as a group. It's everybody out enjoying themselves, having a meal, having a few beverages, maybe checking out a show. Um, is there any specific restaurant that you recommend for something like that? Any specific restaurants that you should avoid when it comes to that situation? What's your advice for that, that night out with the guys? Oh, absolutely. So when I always think about your, what you're going to do for your meals, your meals are important parts of your kind of your, your Vegas trip that's going on. The first night should be something quick and easy and fun, like Mexican restaurant, you know, like a gourmet burger place. And that's, that sort of thing. The second night should be your, like your big meal. That's when you pay a little bit extra to go to one of these, you know, fancy Vegas steakhouses. 
So, but all Vegas steakhouses are not made alike, you know. So, you definitely do not want to go to one that's uh, a romantic one, or you don't want to go to a uh, a foodie a foodie one where you're doing a, a twelve course meal of all these tiny little things, right? Um, so, usually, the if you're staying at one of these better hotels, the steakhouse of that hotel is usually pretty solid. You can just go to that one. If not, choose the steakhouse where uh you're going to end up going to a show i always say you should do always do a, sh- a dinner and a show so on the second night so you the logistics of um of traveling is just your dinner and your show at the, at the same place or your your dinner is at the place that the hotel you're staying at um if you don't at, if you don't eat at your steakhouse one of those steakhouses a couple other ones that are kind of classics is the uh, the golden steer if you i don't know if you've ever been there oh yes i have absolutely loved it it's one of the best meals i've ever had in my life yeah it's classic it's classic i mean the the waiters there have been i've been working there for you know 40 50 years that sort of things they know their stuff um one a surprising one is um the steakhouse at circus circus i wouldn't i would not ever recommend a group of guys going to circus circus but the steakhouse <laughs> there is phenomenal you know, to me and then also there's a there's one called ferrero's italian steakhouse it's on it's on paradise kind of kind of near virgin classic italian you know it really feels like you're part of like the uh the mob that the biggest mob scene when, when you eat there um that's another great place to go so the key key with this is these reservations definitely need to be made ahead of time and thought about when when you're going to go and which place you're going to go it definitely needs to be thought about um, but you, the, the second night's for that show dinner combo. So the show, I always recommend you can do it either way, but I always recommend you go to the show first and then do dinner afterwards. So when you initially propose that to your group and the group are, it's going to be like, why do you guys want to see a six thirty show? You know, it's like, I'm going to still be gambling. But if you do the dinner and then a late show afterwards, most people are after this huge meal is so tired and they can barely keep their eyes open in one of these shows. And then when that show's over, they're just done with if you do the show early and you're having drinks and it's part of the show is part of the, like the going out experience, then hitting the steakhouse afterwards um, is, is a much better way to do it than to do it the opposite way around there. And I completely 100% get that because I know that when I went out with my wife to Golden Steer and we had this amazing, wonderful meal, I walked out of there stuffed. And all I wanted to do afterwards was have a nap. Right. Um, when it comes to show recommendations, of course, as we said, I mean, this is this whole steak dinner, this big dinner out, do it in combination with a show. What kind of shows do you recommend for a group of guys? I mean, obviously, you know, Cirque du Soleil is king on the Vegas Strip. There's shows everywhere. But can I see myself sitting there with a group of my buddies watching O or Beatles Love? Probably not. So, what kind of shows do you do you recommend for a for a group of guys to take in on their guys trip? Well, I, the number one show for a group of guys, and if they've never been there, is Absinthe at Caesars. I'm sure you've been there. And then, kind of the sister shows, uh, Opium and Atomic Saloon. All three of those are kind of interactive, fun. You know, everybody's kind of feels like they're part of the show type experiences. And those three should be considered the top three to go to. Um, a couple of the Cirque shows are nice, but if you're really looking for that fun experience and the, those three shows will, uh, will, it will rock your world basically. Absolutely. 100% agree. I mean, I've seen the Beatles love the Cirque show at, um, at the Mirage and easily one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life, but I would rather see it with my wife. I can't imagine sitting there and watching it with seven of my buddies. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> 
I mean, it's, it's beautiful to see, you know, it, you know, I've, but I've, I've been to all those places with my, my wife, not with my, my group of guys. And, you know, they're amazing, unbelievable experiences. This is not, the, not the perfect scenario for a group of guys that it's in, that are in Vegas. Just to touch a little bit further on meals a little bit more. I mean, we've talked about dinners out and things like that, but I mean, as human beings, we generally want to eat, you know, two, three times a day. If you're a fat kid like me, maybe it's four or five times a day. Um, planning breakfasts, lunches, brunches, things like that. That can get a little bit dicey when you're on a guy's trip as well, can it? They can. You know, a lot of people end up missing some meals, getting, they end up being starving and um, doesn't make out for anybody when they're, they're hangry like that, you know? So I, I always said, you know, I, I always say order room service for breakfast, especially if you're the first one up. Because usually it takes a while for everybody else to get up, you know, it's got to take a shower. So it's going to be, you know, maybe an hour before you end up even, you know, leaving your room to go to, a, to eat breakfast somewhere. So at least get a pot of coffee, you know, some, something simple to go, you know, it's ex- room service is expensive, but I think it's worth the, uh, the price. Um, the pool I, to me is a great place to eat that most people don't think about. Um, if you don't want to sit outside, um, you know, on, on the edge of the pool, you know, in a, underneath a little a little uh, hut you can just there's usually a pool bar you can go and uh, eat at and their food there comes out quick very tasty very nice otherwise you want to you want you basically want to almost be kind of snacking throughout the entire day leading up to those bigger meals you know so if you uh um you know if you, let's say you're watching some games on uh, on saturday some some college football games you know go to the go to the mexican restaurant pony up to the bar get some chips, get, get a couple of beers while you watch the game instead of just sitting in the sports book watching the game. Um, so it's, uh, it's eating is, is for some reason more difficult than ever. Um, it's just when you walk, when you look at some of these restaurants, when you walk around your hotel, they're just going to look so slam and packed. Um, but most, most of the hotels have um, either a food court or a, a nicer version of a food court or just a Starbucks. Getting a, a sandwich from Starbucks can uh, save the day for a lot of people. Honestly, I never even would have considered the importance of the whole idea of snacking and eating throughout the entire day. But I mean, it makes perfect sense, particularly if you are going to be lounging around the pool all day, you're going to be drinking all day, because if you're doing that on an empty stomach and I've fallen into this trap, you're doing that on an empty stomach. And the next thing you know, it is two o'clock in the afternoon You've been out in the hot sun all day, you've been drinking all day, and you are completely hammered. The only thing you want to do is stumble back to your hotel room. You want to crash out for what you think is going to be a nap, but is actually going to turn into a several hour long sleep. And you have basically completely wasted the rest of your day and a good portion of your evening. Absolutely. That's a classic Vegas mistake. And I just experienced that recently with a buddy of mine, drank way too much by the pool on Saturday and just was in no shape to go out to the show, which we already had tickets for that sort of stuff. So, you know, got him to the show, basically sleeping in the show, that sort of thing. You know, it's like, you don't want to deal with that. So you got to, got to use a buddy system, <laughs> make sure your, your, your friends getting some food 
not just doing shots, you know, all the time, just, you know, have a beer, you know, that sort of thing. Um, let's talk a little bit about gambling as a group of guys, because, you know, we talked a little bit about putting together the group and, and, um, assembling the group and making sure you've got people that are kind of of the same, um, you know, financial status or, or things like that when it comes to, but when it comes to gambling, that really is super important because you don't want to have that person that is the super high roller hitting the tables with the $200 minimums. And then the other guy that's like, where the dollar tables at? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So the the funnest way for a group of guys to gamble is when they can take over a whole table. When there's a blackjack dealer, that's fun. And they, you have every spot at the table and jokes are going and everybody's having a good time. We're high-fiving drinks are flowing. That's the best way. When you're gambling and, you know, one guy's at this table that's packed, another guy's over rolling craps by himself, you know, two guys are just sitting there, they don't know, know what to do because they don't, they don't, they're either busted out already or they, there's no place for them to gamble. That's when you're like, what are we doing? So unfortunately, it gets pretty crowded in Vegas on weekend nights gambling, right? So you kind of want to start early. So w- let's say it's a Saturday and you're up at the pool, you're having your lunch, you're having some drinks out there. Then you go inside. That's the time to gamble right then. Then it's with, with the minimums are still a little bit lower on the, on the tables. There's plenty of dealers, plenty of places to, to gamble. So you take over a whole table and you have a fun time. You don't, what you don't want to do is always gamble when it's so busy that the table minimums are super high and you can't even get on a, on a table. Like it's, it's, it's just so much more fun. And you'll, and you'll remember it for the rest of your life is when you guys take over a table and you're all winning or if you're losing, you're still having a good time, but it's uh, part of that joint experience of, of, of taking a table on and taking on Vegas and taking on that dealer, that sort of thing. Something I know a lot of guys like to do when they go to Vegas is bet on sports, whether it's their favorite teams or their favorite events, whatever. Um, a lot of resorts have started putting in these amazingly wonderful high tech sports, not even sports books anymore, but these stadium style facilities where you are pampered and fed and get all your drinks and all this kind of stuff. Is this an experience worth having? I mean, you're going to be there for a few hours. Is it worth spending a few hours of your day in one of these spots? Well, fortunately, nowadays, most um, table game areas have plenty of TVs where all the games are going. And it, I said it used to be kind of fun to, to go one of the big sports books and sit there. But after a while, you realize that it's, it's not that much fun. You're, you're basically in a, it's a dark, big, dark room with these huge screens. There's no sound for the games, that sort of stuff. And um, it, it's not that great of an experience. A lot of the, a lot of the areas taken over by, by um, horse bettors betting on the, on the races and that sort of thing. But you definitely want to bet sports while you're there. You want to you want to make some bets and hopefully make the same bets as your friends, so you can you can be excited when as a, as those games come on. So you know you go you know best thing would do you know wake up early in the morning because you know college football starts out there at nine a.m. ten a.m. Bet bet some of the games throughout the day. So when you're sitting there gambling or you're sitting by the pool, you can keep an eye on the game and and um, have some fun uh, with that money riding on it. But I would say it's fun to go in the sports books for a little while, but I would not hang out there all day long. Something that often comes up in the discussion planning a a guy's trip like this is lots of guys want to go out and play around a golf. They want to go hit the links, going to bring the sticks, going to hit the links, going to go play around while we're in Vegas. Good idea, bad idea, terrible idea, your opinion. So 
I say you want to avoid golf on a Vegas trip. And I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. So first of all, Vegas doesn't have the best golf. And most of the courses are a good 30 to 45 minutes away from the strip. So you're going to be spending, you know, your whole day getting up, going to your clubs or renting clubs and going all the way down there, you know, four to five hour round of golf, sometimes longer if it's, you know, super packed coming back. And then you're just worn out. You know, you've been in the sun all day. Um, you just, you're just worn out. And that's not what you want in Vegas. I was like, you can golf on golf trips, like go to Scottsdale, you know, um, go to some of these other uh, Pinehurst on groups of guys for golf, but leave golf out of it. Um, one of the other reasons is during the winter months, it's pretty cold and you're not going to enjoy it that much. And then during the summer months it's burning hot out there and you're just, you know, you're miserable. Plus, usually what happens is somebody gets, you know, so drunk the night before that you're basically they're you know, they don't make it on, on your round, on your golf trip. And so all of a sudden, you know, they, they pair your group of three guys up with, a, with somebody else. And that's not what you came to, to Vegas to do on, the, on this trip. So I'll say leave the sticks at home and plan a golf group guys trip instead of trying to play golf on a Vegas trip. Yeah, if you're going to spend six or seven hours out in the hot sun drinking all day, do it at a pool. Don't do it on a golf course. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I want to talk about nightclubs and doing a nightclub as a group of guys. I have done it. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's a once in a lifetime thing. It's something that I'm probably never going to ever, ever do again. Um, but doing a nightclub as a group of guys is not exactly the easiest or least expensive venture is it it's not it's it's very tough now the the nightclubs will do their best to try to sell a group of guys on a table and a bottle and it can get pretty pricey very quick but for a group of guys just to walk up to a nightclub and get in it's tough and even when you do get in, um, if you spend an hour or two hours there, I think you, you pretty much had enough. You want, one of you guys is at least going to go start gambling again on the casino floor then rather than, than stay inside the nightclub. But if you're destined to go, the hotel you're staying at is one of the easiest ones to get in because you can show your room key and that at least get you somewhere. You can talk to a casino host or talk to the concierge or the front desk about possibly trying to get you in there. But the, you're going to be waiting in line. It's going to be crowded. It's going to be expensive. And it's fun for a while, but you're not going to want to stay in there the whole night. So I would recommend don't spend the big bucks and get a table and a bottle and all that sort of things. And as you say, that gets very, very expensive. I know when myself and my buddies did it, however many years ago that was now, I think eight or nine years ago, um, there was six of us, seven of us. And it was like $400 a person that got us the table that got us, uh, I think a couple of bottles and it covered the cost of the tip for, for our hostess. And really, I mean, yeah, it was a cool experience. We had our own table. We were kind of in our own little VIP area. It was a lot of fun, but at the same time, eh. absolutely. And then what happens is you know, you think some of these girls are coming over to talk to you, but they're usually coming over just to, to mooch off your uh, mooch off your bottle and get a free yeah, drink. Yeah, they are. <laughs> once you get, once you get them a, a drink, they're uh, they're on their way. That same thing happens in the pool scenes a lot. If you end up getting a cabana, which I recommend don't doing, um, they'll come in there, they'll drink all your drinks, and then boom, they'll they'll be gone, and then you'll be stuck ordering another four hundred dollar bottle of vodka. 
So I would say it's fun for a little bit. I would, um, if you really want to go to it and experience it, I would say hit it super late, um, you know, like 2 a.m. And you still, you know, still got a couple hours of it being open, but it's not as crowded and chaotic to get into as it would be at, at 11 p.m. If you do decide you're going to go ahead and try and get yourself into a nightclub, you touched on it a little bit earlier, mentioning um, having a conversation with the concierge at your hotel or tracking down a, a casino host or something like that. Um, I often see the people getting stopped on the strip by the quote unquote promoters offering them um, admission to the club, things like that. Are these guys legit or what is the deal? Well, they're legit as that they're trying to promote the club and basically they're going to throw a wristband on you and it's going to identify that they're the ones that um, are sending you up to the club. And then if you are able to get through the whole line and are able to get in and when you pay your entry fee to get in, that if they see that wristband, they'll know that they owe that promoter some money. So it's basically a second level way of, of these promoters are, are making some money. You don't need to get wristband by those guys. You can just go up to the, the club, club yourself. So I would say that's they're, they're a waste of time. And you know, a, lot of, a lot of people spend the entire day just trying to get on, on a list for a club or talking to the right promoter. You know, for a group of guys, and then you're not going to spend a, um, money on a bottle. Then um, the best chance is to you know to walk up to walk up and try to get the attention of the bouncer, throw him a twenty, and um, to say you trying to get it, come in for for a little bit, have some drinks, that sort of thing. Now there is one other way is is the back doors to these to these clubs usually have uh, the way you get out is different than the way you get in, and there's some security guards that are working those doors. And those guys are notorious for taking tips and letting you in the back door. So if you got nothing to lose and you don't, you don't feel embarrassed about being, <laughs> if it doesn't work out, you know, 20 or a 50 will get um, a group of guys in um, on the back door of a club and you get to experience the same thing. I mean, hey, if you don't ask, you don't know, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, let's talk about the trip to the Gentleman's Club. I mean, I think that this is pretty much a, a an obligatory visit when you're on a guy's trip to Las Vegas, you need to go and and spend an evening at a, a gentleman's club. Um, but I think it's important to set out expectations and plan this trip accordingly, isn't it? I mean, every guy is going to go in there uh, thinking that they're the king of the world and all these girls want to be their friends and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, obviously that's, that's not the case, is it? What's the best way to plan this visit? Well, I think every group of guys definitely needs to go to a gentleman's club on their Vegas trip. And it's you know, kind of part of the Vegas experience, that sort of thing. The, the gentleman's clubs in Las Vegas are, are some of the top clubs anywhere. Um, so those are amazing places. You know, the, the top one is called Spearmint Rhino. That one's only open at night, for, open from 9 p.m. at 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. But that is just an amazing experience to go to. It gets pretty crowded on, uh, at 11 o'clock. So if you're going to go there, go a little bit early or go a little bit late. Um, but don't act a fool when you get in there, right? So this, uh, you know, just have a drink. If, um, you know, tip the girls on stage, you know, a dollar or two dollars. Um, get a, don't feel bad about if a girl comes over and, and is asking to, for you to pay for a lap dance, if you turn her down, it's not a big deal. Um, and just enjoy yourself as a group of guys versus, you know, one of the guys going into a VIP room and not seeing him for hours and them charging his credit card thousands of dollars and that sort of thing. But I think that um, um, a lot of these 
a lot of these gentlemen's clubs have great TVs for sports also. So if you're like, you know, where, where should we watch this game? Should we watch it in uh, the sports book or should we go watch it over at, you know, Crazy Horse 3? You know, I would say if you're a group of guys, go to Crazy Horse 3, watch the game. You're going to have a much better experience over there. It's funny that you mentioned going to the gentleman's club for um, something other than the obvious, like whether you're going there for the sports or going there for the food. When I've been in Las Vegas, I've had friends who have said, hey, why don't we go to such and such a place? They've got amazing sushi or they've got amazing steaks. Like it's just so odd and bizarre. It's not really something that you'd think of. Yeah. Yeah. Super, they're, they're notorious for their w- wings. Most strip clubs have, you know, have their own special version of wings. Um, Crazy Horse 3 the one in, in Las Vegas, which is <clears throat> down near the stadium near uh, Mandalay Bay, they uh, they have a pretty uh, pretty great kitchen and they serve food twenty four seven there. So if it's late night and you want a meal, you can you can get one there. Um, there's one called um, Treasures, which actually has a steakhouse um, associated with it right next to it, which is a great place to have a steak and then walk over inside the uh, inside the club. Um, but it's a you know it's it's a fun part about Vegas. If you're there on a, a weekend like March Madness, one of these conventions. Most of these places are so packed with, you know, the, the, the sales guys, you know, taking their clients out for, uh, uh, out to the clubs that it's not even worth going to. It's so crowded. I definitely think you should go there. Now, one of the things to avoid is never take the advice of a taxi driver or an Uber driver on where to go because, uh, taxi drivers, Uber drivers get kickbacks from the gentlemen's clubs for every guy, they, every person they bring in. And some of these places are notorious ripoffs. You're going to have a horrible time, but the taxi driver is getting $50 per person walking in there. So though a lot of time, a lot of times they'll tell you that, Oh no, no, you know, Spearmint Rhino is under construction or, Oh no, this that place uh, closed last year to try to get you to a new place. I'll just tell them where exactly where you're going and, and don't, don't deviate. Yeah. You know what? I've heard that from a few people where they've said, yeah, I want to go to Treasures, and the cab driver tells them, "No, no, no, you don't want to go to Treasures. You want to go to uh, you want to go to Crazy Horse Three. So I'm going to take you there instead." And I always kind of assumed that that was a thing where the cab drivers were getting spiffed by the the club owners, and so it's kind of interesting to hear that confirmed. Oh, absolutely. That's where they make that's where they make pretty much all their money. Um, so some of these clubs actually have a their own like limo shuttle where you can call them. And they'll, they'll get you out there for free, um, which is, you know, if you, you got a group of six or eight guys, they, you might as well call them to see what they'll bring you out there. Um, don't feel bad if you don't want to hang out there all night. Just, you know, jump, there's taxis waiting to outside every gentleman's club to bring you right back to the strip. Um, and, but one of the things also is like, you don't want to have to, you don't, if you go there at like four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning, it's kind of, you know, it's not as fun as it would be at nine or 10 o'clock at night. You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, the, the girls have been working all day. The place is kind of beat up and people are getting drunk and sl- a little sloppy. So I would say, you know, if it's 4 a.m. in the morning and one of your buddies is saying, hey, we- let's go to the gentleman's club, you know, try to convince them just, to, you know, let's let's get a drink downstairs at the center bar or let's play some more blackjack versus making that trip out there. Are there any other little weird, odd tips and tricks that maybe people might not think of that you want to pass on when you're you're trying to put together this guy's trip and, and to make sure that you actually have an enjoyable time? Well, I mean, there's definitely, definitely a lot. So in notorious, um, a lot of people forget what room number they're in or what tower they're in, you know? So take a picture, take a picture of your room, you know, on, on your phone so you can look at it later. Cause you know, 
I don't know how many hotel to, hotels in Vegas. I've just seen people going down with with their card trying to figure out what room they're in, that sort of stuff. I mean, there's, these are the biggest hotels in the world. It's kind of easy to get get lost in them. Um, I would say that's that's pretty big. I would say try to plan out your your trip. So that that most of the stuff happens near or around your hotel. It just makes uh, life a lot easier. Another tip would be charge your phone constantly, right? If you, if you have a second to charge your phone, charge it, right? Um, a lot of, actually, a lot of slot machines nowadays have places to, to plug your phone in. So if you do carry a, a, you know, a charging cord in your pocket, that wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, being stuck without your phone later on, without being able to chance to get an Uber or tell your buddies where, they, where you are, um, happens all the time in Vegas and uh, you know, it makes for a long, long way home. Always remember to call your girlfriend or wife you know, every day. Now, what ends up happening is you get caught up doing stuff and then all of a sudden you realize you're in a different time zone and you're like, oh man, it's two o'clock in the morning there. So get that call the way early, you know, let her know everything's going great. Um, and yeah, remember the time zones, you know, when you, um, if you're coming from the East coast of the United States, you know, you're going to be waking up super early because um, you're, you're normally waking up that early. So go do something in the morning. You know, it, it's actually kind of fun to be in the casino at 8am and have a cup of coffee and play blackjack, you know, by yourself with the dealer. Kind of fun. Um, use a buddy system anytime you can, like, don't just start wandering off on your own. You know, if you're, you know, in a group, make sure you do stuff together. It's just funner that way. And you're not, we won't going to get, you know, going, Hey, where is that guy? That sort of thing. Drink tons of water, you know, Vegas dehydrates you big time. And then, uh, it sounds silly, but have some chapstick. Like if you're not used to the desert um, humidity, you literally your lips will be purple by the end of your Vegas trip. So, you know, that's just one little tiny little tidbit that will make your trip a little bit better. Excellent stuff, David. A lot to unpack here, and uh, lots for me and lots for my listeners. Uh, really, really do appreciate you jumping on the podcast to uh, to share all of this incredibly helpful information. Uh, Jeff has been great and um, classic Vegas mistakes. The, the Twitter feed's got a bunch of um, good tips. And if you're definitely going to Vegas for the first or second time, um, you know, pick up classic Vegas mistakes or the Las Vegas little black book. You can pick up both the Las Vegas little black book, a guy's guide to the perfect Vegas weekend and classic Vegas mistakes on Amazon. And be sure to follow Classic Vegas Mistakes on Twitter at Classic Vegas Miss. Of course, you can find all these links in the show notes at jeffdoesvegas.com. And that wraps up another episode of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to me via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas, or drop me an email directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thank you so much for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast so you'll know the moment new episodes are available. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes and show notes. The Jeff Does Vegas podcast is a Walker New Media production.